Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. This morning, we are going to be transitioning, actually, um, a little bit in our Saints and Society series. So uh, in the past, um, we've had sections on the saints' morality, marriage, singleness, and, and freedom, and what that looks like in society. And so now we're going to move into the saints' gathering. So this is more corporate, um, what we're going to be talking about. And the cool thing about this section, I think, is like, yes, saints are set apart as individuals in the society to display God's, you know, character, show who he is to our society. Um, but imagine what a whole community can do. So it's not just individuals set apart in society. It's a whole community, a whole body of saints. And imagine what that can do. So I, I get excited thinking about um, talking about the next few sermons of what it looks like to how, how saints gather in society. So yeah, what does it look like, you know, for a church body, and even more so, the whole body of Christ to be set apart from society? And that's what we're going to be talking about. And so I'm going to push us today a little bit, not to just think about being set apart as if, like, not tainted. You know, I think sometimes we're like, oh, you're set apart. That means you're just not, you're not tainted by this, like, corrupt world or something like that. But actually more so what it looks like to be a body of believers who are professing that Jesus has transformed them. And they, they should look very different in society. I feel like I'm going to get stung. So if you see it land on me, just tell me. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> I love this, like meeting outside. I like hear motocross race behind me. And I, I grew up in Idaho, so I feel like I'm at home. So uh, this is awesome. And many of you who, who know me actually know that uh, I, didn't, I didn't grow up uh, in a Christian home. I actually got a Facebook memory this morning that 10 years ago, I got baptized today at like a, a college fall retreat in a horse trough of all places. And my, you know, guy who did college ministry um, at the time, and then my best friend who like led me to the Lord were like baptizing me. So it was like a pretty cool memory. Um, but the thing is, uh, when I was in college, um, I was introduced to the, you know, person of Jesus. It wasn't a religion. It wasn't a lifestyle or a person, and interesting enough, it wasn't actually the Bible or sound doctrine or specific theological concepts that drew me to the person of Jesus. It was actually a community. Like, it was people who loved Jesus and were willing to choose to live different lives that drew me in to the person of Jesus. I was like, hey, these people are, are living differently than everybody else that I see in college, and there's something different about them, and I want to know what that is. And I bet if I were to, like, go up and talk to each of you individually, there would actually be a lot of people here, I would guess, would have similar experience. Like, where you, you know, may have, you know, maybe listening because somebody asked you to be here, or you attended church because you know a group of friends who were going, and you wanted to know what it is that they believed. And so, as great as these stories are of how community has positively impacted us, sadly, there's actually just as many stories of people who are turned off um, to Jesus because of community and because of community of believers. Whether they experience judgments um, for their behavior, felt excluded, or maybe kept at an arm's distance, um, and maybe just never got approached or welcome in. Maybe they came to church and no one came up and talked to them. And so, my point here is that I actually, I, I really believe this to the core of me, 
that the body of Christ has the power to bring so much life into our society, but it also has the power uh, to do damage to our society as well. So what we're talking about this morning um, is no small thing. And I know I started this by dropping, you know, a big weight, um, but I think it's actually an important weight to be talking about. And so the truth is, I think that as as followers of Jesus, um, we often fail um, to live set apart from community, one that is united in our faith in Jesus. And rather, we often become divided on thoughts, opinions, giftings, and all sorts of other things. Just take a look around and, or like scroll through your social media feed and you will find that out in about five seconds that we are very, very divided on things. And this affects the witness to those people who don't know Jesus, those people like me when I was in college. And if you're new here with us or, you know, still investing in Christianity, I'm actually, I'm really glad that you're here and I'm, and I'm praying and hoping that for you, as well as people who have followed Jesus for a lifetime, gain an ac- accurate picture of what a community centered on Jesus looks like and what it looks like to live set apart from society. And thankfully, we, ha- we have the word of God to guide us. It's not going to be me, you know, talking up here on my opinions, but God's word, um, I think, will guide us in this and what it looks like um, to live set apart. And so with that, uh, let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thanks for the sunshine. Um, it's nice to, you know, have it on my face. Thank you that we have a place to meet and gather together. Yeah, in the midst of, you know, the craziest time that I think any of us have, have really lived in, um, potentially. And so thank you um, for that. God, I pray this morning and just like acknowledge that uh, people are coming in, sitting in their chairs and blankets coming from all sorts of weeks, good weeks, bad weeks, um, some tragic, terrible, and some coming in just feeling really good. And so wherever people are at, Lord, I pray um, that you would use this morning to stir in them a love, a deeper love for you. I pray that if there are people uh, here this morning or listening in that don't know you, uh, that because of your word are drawn one step closer to you today. Father, I pray, um, yeah, that if there's anything I say uh, that is not true or not of you, that it would go in one year and out the other. But if there is anything that you have said in your word, that you uh, would just allow it to sink deeply into people's hearts, that it would be a rock in their shoe, um, that they would never be able to not stop thinking about. And Father, I just pray for this morning. Um, that it would glorify you, that we would make you the hero, um, that I wouldn't be the hero or any one of us, but that you would be. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be reading through the entire chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. So we're going to be covering a lot. Um, so if you have your, your Bibles or, or your phones, go ahead and turn with me. And I'm just going to break it up into two sections. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 first, and then we're going to go 12 through 31 uh, after that. So go ahead and follow with me. I'll, I'll read verse 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. 
To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so what's happening here? Just a little context. Paul is responding to a letter uh, that he actually received from the Corinthians. Um, And so there must have been some sort of disputes over spiritual gifts, something like that, which is why he starts out now concerning spiritual gifts. He's like addressing something that they brought up. Um, it's kind of unclear what exactly uh, is happening here, what the issue is, but it must have been big enough for Paul to talk about it. I mean, he could have talked about a lot of things, but he chose to directly address this. And we can assume it's causing some problems, otherwise he wouldn't. So there's got to be some sort of big deal going on and disputes going on that's creating some division. And that's kind of like the backdrop of our conversation today. And if you look in verse two and three, it's a little confusing um, here at the beginning why Paul is choosing um, to start off mentioning they were once pagans and talking about people blaspheming the name of Jesus, confessing he is Lord. What is going on? Uh, what, What he's doing is he's reminding the Corinthians of who they are, that even though they are non-Jews, they are still just as much uh, part of the body as the Israelites, as people who are God's chosen people. They are just as much part of the body because of what Jesus has done. And that's the premise of the whole conversation. He's like, you, you're not separate. There, there isn't an Israelite body and a, and a Gentile body or a non-Jew body. There's, they're all one. They, you are no less. We are all part of the same body. And we also have to understand, you know, that speaking in tongues wasn't something they were used to. It's like the the Holy Spirit came and and they had this experience of being able to speak in tongues, interpret them, and they were like, what do we do do with this? (laughs) And so people kind of took it their own directions in different different ways. And Paul takes them to the basics, um, that if someone's truly speaking of the Holy Spirit, kind of like the common sense piece of it, they'll never say something blasphemous like Jesus is accursed. He's like assuring them. You're not going to find someone talking like that if they have the Holy Spirit in them. And likewise, anyone who says Jesus is Lord um, is not just people speaking in tongues, but people who have the Holy Spirit living within them. And so uh, anyone who professes him as Lord um, has the Holy Spirit with him. And, and so my guess, I know this is kind of like, what, what's happening? Um, and my guess is that some of the Corinthians were either like flaunting their gifts of being able to speak in tongues, saying, like, look at me. I actually have the Holy Spirit in me. I, I, can, I can speak in tongues and different languages, saying that they were the ones with the Holy Spirit in them. You guys actually don't have the Holy Spirit because you can't speak in tongues. Causing those who, who didn't speak in tongues wondering, do I actually have the Holy Spirit in me? Like, I believe and I profess Jesus as Lord, but I can't speak in tongues, so therefore, do I not have it? And so Paul puts this dispute to rest. He says, no, anyone, anyone, who has said Jesus is Lord, has the Holy Spirit in them. And I think that's important for them to know. It's like, okay, that <laughs> provides some clarity. Um, and Paul also needs to include an important point when talking about the body of Christ, and that is God himself is the foundation for u- universe, or unity and diversity. 
And that's actually um, my, my title today. I forgot to say it at the beginning. I should have. Um, but it's that the, the saints um, gather in unity and diversity. And so we see this actually right here um, at the very beginning of this uh, chapter and that it, it, it's, he's a communal God. God is communal. The Trinity itself, he mentions spirit, he mentions Lord, and he mentions God. Why does he mention three different things? It's actually a picture of what unity in the midst of diversity, because the Trinity itself is a diverse group, uh, all in one essence, um, but also very distinct, three different distinct um, yeah, persons, but are one God. They're, they're one in essence. And so Paul does that to establish it's the same thing in the body of Christ, in community. Um, any, although there are a you know, variety of distinct gifts or things that we're good at, personalities, backgrounds, skin colors, uh, we are actually all still one uh, body of Christ. Which means here in GCC, you know, our members can have, again, variety of gifts, talents, things they bring to the table, yet we're still one body, which is pretty cool. Another important distinction is that, uh, you know, he's not here, so, you know, I can pick on him, is, and it's true. This is not Rick's church, you know. Like, this is not his church. It's actually isn't any one of our churches. It's one that belongs to God, and he is the one that keeps it together. And he is the one who unites all of our giftings and personalities. It's not Rick. Sorry, man. But, <laughs> uh, and then uh, going down, um, still walking down uh, is verse 7. And the whole purpose of these is for the common good, not the individual. And so my question, uh, one question I, I, I like to ask is, are you using your gifts, whatever it is you're, you're good at, um, for, the, for the common good, for the good of others, to benefit others? Or do you use them for yourself? Or potentially do you not choose to use them out of fear or um, insecurity? Do you use those to build up other people? And if you don't feel like your gifts are being used, you should just come talk to me. I, I know what that feels like. Uh, <laughs> and I also know what it feels like not to know what you're good at. And we'd love to find a way um, to, to help you with that. And so really, uh, I want to uh, sink in here to the last uh, uh, few verses of this. And, and Paul shifts into the nitty-gritty of what it means for them as a community. He goes on to list a variety of giftings that people could receive. So he's like, that's where this big list comes in. And I should have, you know, started with this, but it's okay. It'll go here. Is that I know that there are different opinions <laughs> on whether or not we still received giftings uh, after the first apostles died. So um, I think there are, are just some different um, thoughts on that. Uh, some people think that after the apostles died, that people didn't receive like gifts of being able to speak in tongues, healing, and those kinds of things. But some people believe we still have access to those gifts today. But for the sake of time, I'm actually not going to get into that. I'm sorry. I'm sure it would be a juicy conversation, and there's, I'd probably get a poll from you guys. But um, what I will say is whether we're giving these specific gifts today or not, we are all undeniably gifted at different things. I think we can all agree that whether or not we have those, we're, we're all good at something. We're all gifted at something, and that is God-given. He, he gave that to you. And, and some of you, you know, just kind of stealing or uh, contextualizing what Paul said, some of you are just really wise and knowledgeable. Like, some of you can speak truth and wisdom into all kinds of situations. You're the kind of people I love to approach 
and know if the decision I'm making is a good one or bad one. My wife is very good at this, and I usually ask her if my decision's good or not. A lot of times it's like, mm, let's tweak it a little bit, um, but I'm grateful for her. Um, some of you uh, are just really, really faithful. You're incredibly faithful no matter what the circumstance. Wildfires, COVID, our country on the brink of shattering, you still have an unmovable faith in God for him to work. And you're the kind of people our, our church body needs um, in all circumstances, but, you know, how much more do we need you today? Some of you are phenomenal prayers. You seek the Lord diligently in prayer and pray for mirac- miraculous things to happen, and they, and they do. Like, you pray for things, and they actually happen. Our church body needs people like you. And those are just a few things. Uh, I could probably go on and on and on and list gift after gift after gift that some of you would say, yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty gifted in that. Um, But I would say the principle that Paul is teaching here to the Corinthians is the same for us today, and that is God, in his sovereign will, so not ours, and his control over all things, gave each person different unique gifts and talents to build up the community of believers, not to build up themselves as individuals, but uh, the, the common good. And so I would just encourage you today to use those gifts, those things you're good at, to build other people up. And if you're not sure what you're gifted at, I would just say go talk to somebody who's really close to you. My guess is that they would know (laughs) what you're good at um, better than I could tell you. And so I think that's Paul's like main point here is that we all are one. We're unified amidst all of our giftings, our different talents, what God has uniquely given each person as an individual, but we're still one body and and we're united in that. And we can use those, whatever they are, to build up the common church, not to flaunt one or to say one is better, you know, than the other or anything like that, but to use them for the common good. Okay, so um, we're going we're gonna to move down um, into verses 12 um, through 31, so, so through the end. And so this is kind of, you know, bulk of what I'm talking about today. Um, starting in verse 12, Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our presentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are part of the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, 
second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. Okay. So a lot going on here. Um, Paul shifts from giftings, you know, um, the gifts that were given, um, to what I think is one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture, especially when we're talking about fellowship and community and being a part of the body. Now, I, I work in uh, college ministry at U of O um, with crew, and we have, uh, you know, disciple uh, and, and train mentor students, and, and we talk to them about fellowship, and this is the passage that we use. Um, and so I love this a lot, and I love um, getting to see college students' hearts just get ignited to be a part of community. So I'm pretty passionate about this, so if you see me getting fired up, that, that's why, um, because I think it's really important, and that's what drew me um, to Jesus. And so he starts, Paul starts by saying, in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free and all were made to drink of one spirit. So he's not talking about physically drinking something, but what does it mean? It means the gospel has the power, actually, to unite people across lines of ethnicity, social class, and other barriers that would normally divide them. And how beautiful is that, that the gospel has the power to unite communities, and not just their giftings and like what they're good at and blend them together, but more importantly, like their whole selves, like who they are, their backgrounds, uh, their family histories, um, their ancestors. It ha- like the gospel has the power, the fact that Jesus died for our sins, it has the power to unite our whole selves. And I think this is actually really relevant today in a time where there is so much uh, division, and not just in the world, but I think in our churches as well, whether it's stances on face masks, theology, political candidates, or social justice. I think we find ourselves uh, being more divided than I think we realize that we are. But Paul says it's the gospel. It's not actually our opinions or what we believe that unites us. In Ephesians 2, uh, 11 through 22, I'm not going to read all of it, but it explains this, I think, in more detail and does an amazing job of of reemphasizing what I'm talking about here, and I'd encourage you to read it. But I'm just going to highlight verse 16 in Ephesians 2. Paul says, um, And might, he's talking about Jesus' work on the cross, and might reconcile us both, to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. He's talking about the most polar opposite people that you could think of, people who were God's chosen people and and those who were not and not seen as part of God's chosen people. And and Paul's saying Christ's death on the cross serves as the bridge um, between the most hostile, most separated groups imaginable and those, you know, were God's chosen people and those were not. So the gospel has the power to bridge those. And I think to be, even to begin to understand what it looks like to live as a community of saints set apart in society, we have to understand, and I mean, I mean really understand, the truth is that we are one in Christ. And some of you might say, um, I'm just trying to be sensitive as well, um, some of you might say, like, I just don't understand how much something hurts you or how you've been hurt by somebody in a church community, or how you maybe could never be friends with somebody who votes for a specific political candidate, 
or um, there are certain views on certain topics, and you could tell me I, I can never do that. That would be way too hurtful. And, and I can't fully understand um, you're hurt as individuals, and I want to you know, acknowledge that. But I think if we are going to take Ephesians 2 as God's word and has the power you know, to be true, I think I would say that the cross has to be bigger than the hurt that you're experiencing or the difference of opinion that you feel between somebody. That Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are, are bigger than that. And that's what Paul is saying. He's like, these people are as different as you can possibly get, but it's the gospel alone that bridges them. And so um, that, that's you know, kind of how he starts this conversation is by saying we are one um, and we drink of the same spirit. And so, uh, moving on here, um, uh, verse 14 through 26, kind of like another big chunk, Paul's laying out some realities of being in a community, a true Christ-centered, Christ-honoring community. And that, you know, really put simply, is that we would never function if we would never get anything done if we were all the same. I mean, I think Paul's like laying out, you know, some common sense. Like, if if we were all identical, we we wouldn't get anything done. We would all be the same. That's why he says, if all were a single member, where would the body be? There actually wouldn't be a body. We would be a bunch of ears, like, floating around, you know? There would be no arms, no head, common sense. We would be really good at listening, uh, listening to music, country music probably, uh, would be my guess. Um, But, yeah, we wouldn't be able to get anything done. Um, And we would never be able to smell anything. We'd never be able to walk or move anywhere. And so you see there's actually no church body without diversity. Like, we, we have to have diversity in order to be a church body. And so what does this mean, you know, for us? How do we, how do we shift this into our world? And so, um, again, a couple questions uh, I like to ask is, is, how are you treating people who are different than you? I mean, really ask yourself, how do you treat people who are different from you? People who have a different cultural background than you or different views and opinions than you? different hobbies, and do I dare say different theology than you? And so, yes, we, as members of GCC, we are the body of Christ. We value those, and we move those, or towards those who are different than us. Is that something that we are doing, or are we stepping away and moving in the opposite direction, adding to the division that we're already experiencing? And Paul goes on to say, if all were a single member of the body, where would the body be, right? And here's the implication. When you choose to engage in Christian community and invest in the body of Christ, like I'm going to step in and I'm going to move towards you, you actually add something um, to the community that nobody else can. There's only one of you. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of like, it's like tr- trying to taste a good meal without a tongue, you know? I, I don't know why I chose tongue, but I just did. I like food, as you can tell, probably, um, is that I, yeah, I think that if, it'd be really sad, like, if we were a body and had no tongue. Like, we wouldn't be able to taste, like, a delicious meal. And so when you choose actually not to, to invest or move towards or going towards, we're missing out on our tongue. And so uh, I would say that you, as individual, are the tongue of the community, which, oh my, uh, I don't, Looking back, I'm like, why did I choose tongue? But it's too late now. It's, it's been said. It's on recording. So, uh, yeah, you bring something. My point is you bring something vital that we would not have without you. You know, and, and I could look out, you know, a- across. You know, I've been going here for a little while. Some of you, uh, I recognize some not. You know, I, I could say, you know, 
with, with certainty that if Ronnie Gogan was not here, we would all be missing out on something very, very, very special. You know, his wisdom, his knowledge of the word, his love for the word, right? I'm going to pick on Hunter again because she was already said. Like, Hunter is one of the sweetest, you know, girls that you will meet. You know, she welcomes and invites people in. And if she wasn't here, we would be missing that piece of the puzzle, right? And I could go and name all of you um, and probably have to get to know one, of you know, individually to know what you, you bring to the table. But I know you bring something. Uh, and so uh, on the flip side... When you choose not to engage in community, you're, you're removing, you know, a vital parts and affecting the whole. So the whole is actually affected by that, um, and we're not the same. And I think some of us, I'm just going to be honest, and I, and I need to hear this too, um, that, that some of us are, are just too selfish when it comes to community. I think we might think that it's, it's not a big deal. Like, if I don't, if I don't go on a Sunday— it's not a big deal uh, if I don't go to a gospel community. Like, nobody, nobody's going to notice if I'm there or if I'm not. But I would say um, when, when you are saying that, you're actually hurting the larger body, whether you realize it or not, is that people are missing out on you, and that makes me, you know, that grieves me a lot to know that people are missing out on you and you add something that no one else can. And so this isn't a guilt trip, you know, to be a part of community. <laughs> I promise. I do, I do not want that. But it's actually an invitation to bless other people with your gifts, your personality, your background, your story, um, and so on. And so when you choose not to engage, you're not just hurting yourself, you know, because when you don't engage, you're actually not being affected by, by the whole because they can add to your life and, and speak into you, uh, build you up, and so you're actually hurting yourself and hurting other people. And so, you know, just so you know, I kind of mentioned this, like some of you are like, who is this guy talking? And that speaks to, and I'm going to be vulnerable here and honest, um, you know, I often suck at this <laughs> and like being in community. And that's probably why people um, are like, who, is, who are you? I haven't seen you in a while. It's because I have a six-month-old daughter, and if her schedule's off by just a little bit, I'm just like, ah, Let's not go. I know it's on recording. I don't, I don't actually need to go. If I do go, she's just going to cry, and it's going to be annoying. She's actually really, really cute. But um, that, that's me, is, is, I, is I think, like, oh, it's not going to matter if I go or not. I have a lot of it, uh, reasons why. Uh, I think good reasons uh, that I should miss, and, and I think what difference will it make if I'm there or not. And so I'm really bad. And, and then I read this passage <laughs> Uh, thinks, you know, Rick's like, hey, you know, talk on this. And I read it, and I remembered, and, and it was convicting to me. You know, the, the Claussons are nothing special. Um, that's my last name, so if you didn't know. Um, we're, we're nothing special in and of ourselves, you know, just, just, you know, who we are. But I think when you see us in context of the whole community, we add something um, that nobody else can. And I think the same goes for you. And so, uh, that was something that was encouraging to me as I read this, and I know I need to grow <laughs> as well. Um, and I know, uh, you know, looking at, uh, I just want to highlight verse 21 as well. Um, I want to kind of look at another facet of this. And so I know some of us struggle with thinking like myself, like, oh, it's, it's not going to matter. I don't know what I, you know, if I belong in community or if I really add anything. But I actually think just as many of us uh, have a hard time with what Paul says, like the I says in verse 21 that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. So I, I think what Paul's saying here is just because someone's not like you or different than you, there's actually still a vital place for them in the body. 
But I think as members of the church, some of us can tend to do that. Like when someone has different beliefs, opinions, uh, experiences than us, we're like, I, I actually don't need that. You know, we don't, we don't need someone like that. Um, and, and we might not say it out loud, but internally, a lot of times that's where it's happening. And we say, just like the eye says, I have no need of you, we say that in our hearts. We're like, I, I don't, I, I'd rather like stick to this um, with my ears, you know, or whatever it is. Um, and a community, you know, um, I would just say that that's not what a community centered on the gospel of Jesus looks like. A community looks like acknowledging, accepting, and inviting people who are very different than you. And the church needs people, um, all kinds of members and parts of the body. Um, and, and so I, I acknowledge that some of us struggle with that um, as well. And uh, another point I do need to make, a couple more, and then, and then we'll wrap up, is... Um, yeah, the saints gathering in society should look different. Um, I, I was just thinking about this week, um, and it's not like a survival of the fittest, you know, uh, <laughs> situation here in the body of Christ. But Paul says, and I think this is important for us today, it says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so I, I think saints, you know, as they're set apart, they realize that this is exactly what Jesus in his life death and resurrection has done for them and they see their brothers and sisters hurt as their own and so there's a lot of people sitting out here who who are actually really hurting um, whether it's by what's going on or their or what's happening in their life and so they're hurting and so I think our job and as members of the body is to hurt with them um, to, to go near them to, to you know a, a word that the Bible uses is like laments like be sad with them and on the opposite end, you know, there's some people who have some things to celebrate. Like maybe people are getting engaged or having babies or moving. You know, it's like we, we have things to celebrate with people. And I think that's what a body of Christ looks like. And I love that we came and we prayed for the Wakefields just to celebrate, you know, this transition with them. And so I think that looks like, yeah, praying for people in our church, celebrating with them, and also moving towards them and being sad with them. And this takes intentionality, vulnerability, and trust. Like, this is not something that's just easy to do. But I think that's what, you know, uh, a community set apart could look like. And, and, and to wrap up, Paul, in verses 27 through 31, um, he, he even wraps this idea by reminding the Corinthians that not everybody, remember, has the same gifts. But then he says, but earnestly seek the higher gifts. And I think that that is kind of confusing. Like, is there a hierarchy to certain what people are good at? Are, are, are people above others in the church based on what they're good at? And so uh, that I had to, like, kind of stop a minute when I was reading that. And so according to Paul, he says, it's actually, you know, in this context, yes. Like, in the Corinthians-specific situation, remember, we're reading their situation. Uh, Paul is encouraging them to build on their gifts, to actually not just say, I'm really good at this. Uh, if you know me, I, I kind of like personality tests because they're kind of cool. Like, is anybody into the Enneagram here? Do you have any, like, Enneagram lovers? Got a few, right? I love the Enneagram, but I would say its downfall is it actually gives us a license. Uh, sometimes we use it as, like, a license for our sin. We say, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a two, which means, like, I, like, just love to help people, but I'm super insecure. And so I know that, and I'll just say, like, it's okay, I can do that because I'm an insecure person, it's just who I am, you know? But it's still sin, like, it's still part of something that, <laughs> you know, like, needs to grow and be rooted out and worked in me. 
And the same thing is like what Paul is saying. He's like, not just growing your personality, but I think more so he's saying, like, seek gifts that, that build up the body. Like, if you maybe aren't as, as uh, strong in, like, I don't know, reading scripture or knowing it, he's saying, like, reach out. Like, start reading your Bible. Like, grow in that gift. If maybe you're not as strong in praying and that builds the body up, you should be seeking those um, and seeking ways to build up the body. And that's what he says. I, th- I think as a body of believers, we should be, you know, kind of striving to, to grow um, and, and, and do things that help um, lift up other people. And so, um, and to end, uh, I'm going to be setting up whoever's, you know, speaking next week pretty well, uh, if this is what we're talking about. <laughs> and, and Paul ends it by saying, and, and still I will show you a more excellent way. And so, uh, you know, I am going to leave you on a cliffhanger, but if you, you know, look forward to 1 Corinthians 13, it's, you know, used a lot in, in weddings and things like that. But it's going to build on everything that we talked about here, that, that even more so than these gifts, even more so than all of this, there is still a more excellent way. And I'll let somebody else preach that sermon. Um, and so uh, I think that I love, though, the way this ends is like, yes, we are, we are brought and united. We've covered a lot of ground um, this morning in the short time. We're, we're, we're united. And what I hope you walk away with is this, is that, one, God created you uniquely with gifts, talents, and experiences to build up other people. So God created you uniquely with gifts, talents, and experiences to build up other people. And the second thing I hope you walk away with um, is, is I want to encourage you to use those to bless other people and not yourself. And the third is we can choose to live as united, set-apart community because it's not our gifts, talents, and experiences that make us a community, actually. It's the fact that we've all been radically transformed by the gospel. That is why we're sitting here. We're not sitting here because of what we, you know, believe uh, about coronavirus or, or whatever it is that we might, you know, have opinions on. We're actually sitting here because we've been transformed by the gospel or we're curious about who Jesus is. And so we need to put our hope and our trust in that. Um, and Jesus gave up his life to break down the wall of hostility like we read in Ephesians 2. Um, and that we can live united as a community that way. And when we do that, I think that's the greatest communication of the gospel that I can think of, is a community of people living set apart, living different lives. And last is my hope for GCC um, and this and this church family is that it is a place that looks different than the rest of the world. Like I hope that when people come here, they see people who are living differently um, than all the other people around them. And that we're a community that can be united despite, you know, our diversity in the midst of diversity. And that we're all so different. I mean, even looking around, we have, we're, we're all so different. But that we can all come together um, and hold together the truth, you know, that Jesus is Lord and we serve him. Let's pray. Father, thank you um, for this morning. Thank you for your word. Um, and thank you that uh, we, we get to read it today. What a blessing and honor that is uh, to be able to have your word in front of us. Um, God, I, I pray um, that, yeah, just as you have transformed each one of us and can continue to transform one of each one of us, um, that we would be a community of people that live set apart, that we can be united despite um, our diversity and our differences. 
And so, Lord, uh, yeah, I pray as we, as we leave today, um, yeah, that your word would be um, sinking in our hearts. I uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.